0: What's up, all you metal maniacs? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Talk Louder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And man, we've been pretty excited about this guy coming for a couple weeks now. Uh, We've got Richie Faulkner on the Talk Louder podcast today. Richie, of course, the guitar player in Judas Priest, known as one of the guitar players in Judas Priest. But he's got a new album out, a new band called Elegant Weapons, an album called Horns for a Halo. He's got an all-star lineup on that album. So we got to pick his brain a little bit today about creating that album, what it's like for him to be sort of the 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 lead the go-to guy on this album as opposed to working and collaborating with his Judas Priest mates and uh yeah he was he was a great conversation i did not know he lives in nashville tennessee
1: yeah that's um basically his band If things keep going the way they're going, his whole band is going to be from Nashville. Next thing you know, his singer Ronnie Romero will be moving to Nashville. He may live there already. That's a joke. I don't know where Ronnie lives, but uh, the record is great. Uh, It has a bluesy, hard rock feel. But when you think about what I just said and think Richie Faulkner, it kind of turns into, well, wait a minute. Um, and we talk about his influences and um, and how it kind of shapes the outcome of the record and, uh, and, and I feel like uh, hearing him talk about Rex Brown's bass playing on it uh, mm-hmm. has its own stamp uh, Ronnie's voice you know that it's Ronnie as soon as you hear it and it's in that classic style I think of you know old MSG records and Rainbow records and things like that while I'm in my head hearing that's Richie playing guitar, you know, so uh, there's, there's a lot in there. Uh, there's a lot of things and it's, it's a comfortable record. Uh, it's not it doesn't really sway one way or the other. It's everything all at once kind of a thing. And it has nice surprises, though. Um, and, uh, uh, going into production of this, uh, interview today, everyone should know that me and Dave just heard the record yesterday, so it's still kind of fresh. So that's my initial feeling. I plan on listening to the record, uh, some more and, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get into it. Yeah. Um, I just want to say he's the coolest guy. He's the coolest guy. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like, "Wow, okay. That, I didn't know what I didn't have any expectations. Uh, everyone that I know who knows him personally has told me that he's the salt of the Earth, and he just seems to be, you know, blessed and charmed and smart and, uh, and uh, grateful. doesn't feel yeah, he's grateful though. He's not entitled. He does not right. He's the opposite of attitude. He's right. very, very uh, open and fun. And uh, yeah, it was it was really cool chatting with, with him today. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we just talked to someone who like is one of those, and this sounds kind of sketchy when I say this, and I feel bad because Richie was so awesome, is a replacement guitar player. But I think you said something about, No, he's not a replacement guitar player at all. Yeah. He is kind of, you know what I mean? I'm from KK to to Richie. It's like that is what it looks like on the surface. But then you hear the records he's made, the songs he's written, and his stage performances uh, going on 13 years now. Yeah. He's his own guy.
0: That's yeah, exactly. He's been in Judas Priest for 13 years now, and uh, we've seen him perform. The albums they've put out with him have been great. We've seen him perform. He's a great performer. He's carved his own identity. He is his own man. And uh, I think that's a testament to his not only his talent, but his his personality. And like you said, he is a really chill dude. I had the pleasure of interviewing him at the Fun 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 Fest in Austin, Texas. A I few
1: remember years. that it was him and Ian
0: yeah him and yeah. Ian, and uh, that was my first time speaking to to Richie and uh yeah he he's just so easy to get along with and you got you love the fact that he's still a fan and he he views his place in life you know he's in one of the greatest metal bands of all time if arguably the greatest metal band of all time but you could tell he's still this fan of the band and it shows and he carries himself like that. And I think that's great. I have to mention, it's
1: really cool that even though Scott Travis, Judas Priest played drums on the Elegant Weapons record that, and this, I did not know until we talked to I don't want to, I don't think I'm blowing anything by, by saying that, that that Christopher Williams from Accept who lives in Nashville near Richie did the demos for the Elegant Weapons record. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to, I was going to say this. Chris, I'm glad that Christopher is doing, the, uh, is actually going to be in the band, so to speak. Uh, and he's so chill. Uh, he's, I, I wonder <clears throat> if there's, you know, how he feels that he's not, didn't get to be on the record. Probably not a big deal since he actually knew the songs before Scott did. Yeah. Cause he demoed them. So it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Meant to be kind of thing. And, and uh, another thing about Christopher Williams is is he's a fun guy. The week that I spent with him, you know, on tour with, except he's a fun, he's fun. Uh, I got to spend some time with him. We went and ate at this really cool Italian restaurant by ourselves uh, when we were in New York and, and uh, he's fun. Uh, yeah. and very interesting. Originally from South Carolina, but uh, yeah. Uh, elegant weapons record is great. Um people should check it out uh may yeah. twenty
0: sixth is the release date yeah, so anyone curious about the record, as jason alluded to and and you'll hear from richie it it's a it's a really good cohesive hard rock borderline metal. I wouldn't say it's quite a metal album, although some of the guitars are pretty blazing well like, and and he
1: uh i mean one of the heaviest bands in the world, bass player Rex Brown is the bass, yeah, player, Rex, yeah,
0: so. But it is a it it, you will hear echoes of of classic metal and hard rock bands. You know, I I heard some Scorpions. I hear some Rainbow. I hear a little bit of Priest uh, and uh, we'll let Richie tell you the rest. But uh, if you're a fan of Judas Priest, you won't be disappointed. If you're a fan of those uh, mid to late 70s hard rock bands, UFO, scorpions, things like that. Yeah, classic uh, stuff too. Yeah, you'll but, love this. But also
1: looking looking into the future, I think that Andy Sneap's production on the record, which I didn't, I had forgotten or I or I didn't really catch that in the bio. Uh, Andy Sneap, his mate and his guitar mate in priest, is uh, a modern metal producer. Yeah. Uh and uh I think that that adds a little bit of uh weight to the record looking into a future. You know, uh the, yeah. the the production is modern but the songs uh lend themselves to all influences. And Richie admits it growing up in the 80s, you know, he's he's kind of influenced by his predecessors as well as as new stuff, you know. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Uh, quick shout out to David Castillo for providing the live shots of Richie that you've seen in the photo montage of this episode. David, we love you, man. Thank you for lending us your, your photos. What a great photographer. Uh, legend, David Castillo. Uh, yes, the legend, Castillo. We love you, mi hermano. Um, anyway, yeah, let's bring him in. Richie Faulkner today on the Talk Louder podcast that's
2: beautiful like those lamps everyone comments on the lamps you know i've got like an alien head up there i've got ninja turtles over there everyone comments on the bloody lamps
1: yeah well i couldn't see now the alien head is quite more uh, quite attractive (laughs) <laughs> yeah, fuck the lamps.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're, you're talking exactly, to a what I thought, you know? <laughs>
0: Yeah, you are talking to a Planet of the Apes fan over there. So I yeah, knew I've got, like the alien I've got silly shit back here. I don't have an alien hat, but <laughs> Well, it depends on who you talk to, I guess. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> right. <laughs> Richie, thank you for joining us, man. Uh we're we're gonna be respectful of your time and try to get you out of here in 30, 35 minutes or whatever, but uh uh first of all I wanted to say thank you for joining us. We do appreciate it. Uh Tell me, uh first of all, before we get started on the wet on the Elegant Weapons album, how's your health, man? Uh 2021, you had that on stage medical scare. And uh Jason and I have seen you on stage with Priest a couple times in Texas in recent years. You seem to be back to a hundred percent, but uh you tell us, how you doing?
2: I'm doing good. Um thank you for asking. I mean there's still a couple of things that um i have to deal with and take care of you know the kind of knock-on effects from that but it's uh in comparison with what some people have to go through it's it's tiny you know some people lose their limbs or whatever i've got my 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 struggles are are pale in comparison um so uh, no but i I appreciate you asking you know
0: yeah yeah well we were shocked, you know, cause you're, you're a young guy. You seem to be reasonably healthy. We don't know you as a, as an out of control party animal. And just to see that happen just was, was frightening and, and shocking. So uh, glad to see you've rebounded.
2: I appreciate that, man. No, I, I, uh, I, I hear you. I mean, for my age at the time I was 41 and I was kind of angry, you know, when I, when I came around, luckily I came around and they, they saved me. Uh, I was kind of angry. Uh, you know, I'm not a partier. I don't drink too much. I don't, Overeat, you know, all that stuff. I kind of play it fairly straight, and uh, to be going through that, I just felt like it was unfair. You know, obviously you, you get through that, but that's just a part of it. But it it really kind of got to me for a while.
0: Right, right. There's there's other candidates that you, that are far ahead of you for that sort of situation.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think they'd admit it as well. Some people that probably shocked that would be candidates for that. I mean, luckily it happened to me, and I was healthy and fairly young and didn't do that sort of stuff. So maybe it got me, got me through
0: it, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a, it was a, a battle to overcome for sure. Well, we're, we're glad you're doing well. Uh, you. Let's talk about Elegant Weapons. That's the reason you're with us today. Uh, new album comes out May 26th, I believe. Um, first of all, tell us about the band name, Elegant and Weapons, two words that seem to be very opposite. So how did you come up with that?
2: Well, it's uh, it's a reference to the guitar, really, um, you know, or the instruments that we play. And sometimes the instruments are words as well, and words can be weapons. So it all kind of linked to the instruments that we play in the band, uh, and also the lightsaber that Obi Wan Kenobi gives to Luke Skywalker in uh, A New Hope. You know, because um, it's the, our guitars and our instruments. Uh, they're from the fifties, you know in some, you know, they were built and designed in the fifties and they remain with us today. So they're almost like relics from a bygone era mm. that have survived mm. the present day. So it was yeah, a reference like to that. all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, so the lineup on the album, uh, the, the, the lineup that recorded the album is yourself, obviously Rex Brown from Pantera on bass, Scott Travis from Judas Priest on drums, Ronnie Romero on vocals. Um, when you put that band together to record the record, did you know that that lineup was going to be temporary or was the initial idea to keep that band together and go tour and that sort of thing?
2: Well I knew obviously that Rex um, you know had connections with Pantera and uh, you know I think they were looking at doing the Pantera thing at the time um, so Rex was always upfront about not being able to tour it you know um, Scott, was a bit later on uh, he couldn't he couldn't uh, do the live dates um, so obviously it, I didn't know what it was going to be initially I didn't know if it was going to be an EP or an album or a band I didn't quite know I wanted it to be a band that grows and stuff like that and evolves but at the time I didn't know so it was during the pandemic uh, I was great I was fortunate enough to have those guys on it uh, but obviously as it transpired that this is an album and could be a band then it became clear that, you know, not everyone could tour it. Um, and that's fair enough. Again, I'm just grateful to have those guys on the record and able to record that,
0: those songs. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two of us, Jason and myself, we're Texas boys. So, uh, we're, we're big Pantera fans. So how did you meet Rex initially? I know there's a Judas Priest Pantera connection, but how did you personally meet Rex and recruit him into this project?
2: Well, I met Rex at a friend of mine's house. Um, uh, and we hung out one night and, you know, we made the connection and became friends through that. Um, so we were friends first and foremost, really, you know, um, and when it was getting to the point of recording bass, I, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe I can ask Rex, you know, and, uh, I didn't think he'd do it. You know, he, he's Rex Brown, you know, he's a legend. Um, <laughs> but I asked him and he he said he, he'd do it. So I, again, I, I keep saying the word grateful, but, uh, Totally grateful that he could do it. And uh, having someone so legendary, not only in status, but like the sound of Rex Brown's bass is just like, it's like as iconic as John Entwistle's is, you know, like you yeah. put John Entwistle's bass in a mix and it just creates something unique and exciting. And, uh, and that's what Rex's bass did. And uh, yeah, just totally fortunate to have him around. Yeah. Yeah. Who um, produ- and who produced the record? It was Andy Sneep. Oh, that's right. Um, You're yeah. your mate. Yeah. Yeah. My, my yeah. buddy. I mean, I, I text, uh, I text Andy, I, I would say every day we text each other about something, whether it's, you know, personal or music related. And that's been yeah. like for the last few years um, we've been on the road together. We've been in the studio together. We've been doing this, you know, priest and elegant weapons together. And uh, Andy was, I mean, it was a no brainer really. He knew what my vision was for this. I wanted something that was, Steeped in the legacy of everything I've come from, you know, I'm not one to shy away from my influences, but also a sound that was relevant in 2023. So, and hopefully get the mix right, you know, that balance of the past and the future. Uh, uh, and Andy is that guy. He, he grew up in the yeah. same sort of um, era as I did musically, uh, but he's also a modern day metal producer. So, he, I mean, it was again, it was a no brainer to uh, ask Andy if he could be up for it.
1: Yeah, it's nice probably to be able to just reach over and tap your buddy, hey, and over here, and it's kind of kind of <laughs> yeah. makes makes things a lot to, uh, very convenient for you. You're you're blessed. That's it's it's an incredible uh, uh, career that you've had. I I feel like I want to ask a, a question that sort of reaches back, mm-hmm. and Dave probably knows this, but just for me and our listeners, how you got the priest gig. Mm-hmm. Just a quick version of that story.
2: Well, it was a friend of a friend that got approached um, as a potential candidate um, from our crew. Um, they knew him. Uh, his name was Pete Friesen. He used to play with Alice Cooper and The Almighty, and okay. the crew used to work with The Almighty. So they reached out to Pete and they asked him. Uh, and long story short, he, he couldn't do it. He respectfully declined and put a th- Put uh, put forward a few names that he thought could be contenders, and I was one of those names. Um, it, it was a wrong number. I hadn't seen Pete for five <laughs> or six years, uh, but fortunately, obviously, I'd done some work with Iron Maiden and opened up for Maiden with Steve Harris's daughter Lauren. Right. Uh, so they contacted the production crew, and they got my current number, and we went from there really. And uh, I had to borrow the the train fare off of my mother to to go up to Glenn's house and well, wow, nice. take the train up to my mum's house. I mean it, it totally changed my life, you know. Did you uh, pay a back to- I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I did. Come thanks, on, mom.
1: man. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks, Mom, for helping me get the priest gig.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I think I did in other ways. I think I, uh, I think she had some windows down and I, you know, stuff like that around the house. You know what I mean? You do
0: as the son, you know. <laughs> Chores. I'm sure she's proud regardless. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so, Elegant Weapons. Now, the the recording lineup had to kind of go their separate ways, busy with other obligations. So, you pull together a touring lineup, and uh, on bass you've got Dave Rimmer from uh, Uriah Heath. Uh, Ronnie Romero stays um, uh, on drums. Uh, you've got Jason's bandmate for about a week, uh, Christopher Williams. Jason fronted except for about a week last October when right. uh, when uh, Mark. Uh, Tornillo fell ill. So, how did you find that lineup?
2: Well, um, I live just outside of Nashville, um, ah, and Christopher God. lives in Nashville. Uh, and Christopher actually, I met Christopher uh, on tour with Priest a few years ago. Um, and Christopher actually laid down the demo tracks on drums for this record with Eleven Weapons. Scott wasn't available, and uh, I wanted to get the ball rolling, get the process started. So I asked Christopher if he could come around and uh, to my studio and put the drums down. And then later on, we went over it with Scott, you know, Scott worked his magic on the tracks, but just to get the ball rolling, Christopher was uh, the guy that did that. So when it came to choosing a a band that was going to take this forward, he was the guy, you know, Uh, he can sing. um, He's a killer drummer. Uh, I I I think as well, didn't he, Jason, didn't he do some uh, vocals when you went out with them?
1: Yeah, it was amazing because I didn't even rehearse. It was like I got on a plane and the next day is the first gig. It was like, you know, a sound check and then that's it. So I'm hearing I'm hearing all these killer harmonies and I'm going, where the fuck is that coming from? You know what I mean? And I find out that it's Chris like the next day when I'm back there warming. He's up there, you know, hitting these great notes. And I'm like, holy shit, that's you.
2: Yeah, that's not, on you know. He's, he's really he's got a real good dedication to that side of things you know yeah. you know on the weapons record when we, we were rehearsing last week and uh he's got a real dedication to filling out those harmonies that are on the record yeah uh, you know which I don't have or sometimes i'm doing a little bit too much where I can do everything at the same time so having Chris there playing the drums like he does and filling in those vocal harmonies is a is a blessing really
0: yeah When you're, uh, writing and recording this album, uh, was there, what did you learn about yourself as a songwriter when all the weight is on your shoulders this time?
2: Um, I I definitely work better as a team. Mm -hmm. Um, a a lot of this, um, it started life with me and a, a producer friend of mine, uh, coincidentally that worked with Lauren Harris, uh, Tommy McWilliams. So he he's, he was the lyric guy in this. So I would do the music and he started off doing the lyrics, you know. So I've got you know when you 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 guys probably know, but you're probably used to it now. When you listen to your voice back on a recorder, it sounds awful. This is G, you have to get used to it. I still can't get used to, you know, if I write lyrics, they don't sound as good as when someone else writes them. So, you know, I, I stick to stick to my lane, got Tommy involved, and I definitely work better as a group. Um, obviously, the music on this, I, I wrote all myself. Um, but it, it definitely goes smoother when there's someone else in the room to bounce it off. So uh, as we go forward in in Elegant Weapons' career, uh, we write new songs together. I'm definitely looking forward to bouncing ideas off the other guys and seeing what they bring to the table in a writing capacity, you know?
0: Yeah. H- how, how would you describe the Elegant Weapons album to your fans? A lot of people might think it's an extension of Judas Priest but I think that would just be lazy. Uh so what do you, what would you tell someone who asks how what it sounds like?
2: Well, that's always difficult and uh I've had, you know, from the first single I've had people say they can hear scorpions in there which is totally, you know, I didn't hear that, you know, so my point is you can have an idea of what it sounds like yourself, but people perceive it differently, you know. Um, as I said before, I'm not afraid of my influences. So there's Black Label in there, there's there's some Priest in there, there's some Hendrix in there, some Sabbath and some Aussie, you know. Um, so, but, it, but it's kind of, as I said before, I'm, I come from a legacy band in Judas Priest. So I think to do anything, as you said, that sounds exactly like Priest would have been pointless. So I wanted it to have its own legs and have its own character. Uh, so I think it does. I think it's a bit more bluesy. It's a bit more hard rock rather than a screaming heavy metal. Um, there's, you know, a couple of twists and turns in there, uh, but it, it's rooted in the DNA of the bands that I come from for sure. And hopefully takes it forward uh, into 2023. Right. Um,
1: very well-rounded record, in my opinion. I listened yeah. to probably seven of the tunes. I was shocked to hear lights out. Yes. Uh, that was a nice surprise and that sounded amazing. Ronnie sounds amazing. Um, he, um, is, he fits, he fits your riffs quite well, uh, with how you're describing it. And even someone hearing scorpions in that, I didn't hear that upon first listen either. But Mm -hmm. when I think about the, um, uh, it's 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 like comfort food it's like food you love when the next section comes or the next song and i feel like that might be coming from a flow in your writing how you you know how you how you put riffs together what how the next thing is okay what am i going to say now with a different song uh ronnie's fitting that uh, he's doing great i like the lyrics too uh, they're not really hardcore, or like you said, it's not brutal metal in any way. It's very mm-hmm. uh, uh, sooth- soothing, yet still has some balls, you know?
2: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, really. I'll, I'll, you know, when I put these songs together, as I said before, it comes from my influences as a guitar player and as a musician. Uh, and it's it's 70s, 80s, and early 90s heavy metal and rock. Yeah. You know, I have some 60s in there. Uh, And I think it was the same with Ronnie's voice. You know, I I can't speak for all his influences, but as you said, it's like a comfort food where we know this type of voice. It's something that we've grown up with and it's the soul of the past, but he's also pushing forward in the future. So I I heard Ronnie on these songs and I heard more of Ronnie Romero in there. Um, And I think he'd, he'd agree with me. You know, I think there's more of Ronnie in there than I've heard before. So the more we do it, the, hopefully the more that comes out. But I think you're right. It comes from the same place as I do as a writer and a guitar player. You can hear where it comes from uh, and you can hear where he comes from. Uh, and we're all familiar with that. And hopefully get the balance right between where it comes from and where it's going.
1: Yeah. 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 And creating, and creating something fresh as well
2: hopefully. as comfortable, yeah. comfortable I mean, the future. Topic. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a 43 year old uh, man from, you know, grew up in the eighties. So yeah, I am who I am. You know what I mean? So I didn't want to do anything contrived and um, force anything modern. It's who I am and whatever comes out of that is perceived by the listener and hopefully they like it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I for the record, I heard a little bit of Graham Bonnet in in Ronnie's voice. Um, yeah, and and my my favorite tracks so far, I've only listened to the record. It was only available to me through the label yesterday. Um, but uh, the the cover of lights out is great. I mean, uh, it's amazing. And uh, I like Do or die. Uh, to me, it has a bit of a freewheel burning vibe. Uh, but that's really the only thing that I hear an extension of priest. The rest of it, as you say, is a sort of a conglomeration of all your influences. So I
2: think, I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And that was actually a song that I had a conversation with Andy about. And I didn't know if it was too much of a priest influence. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, from what Andy said, and I agree with him, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't there be a someone there? I've been with the band almost thirteen years and toured and written with them. Why wouldn't that be like an intimate part of my DNA now? Sure. Uh, so I put it on there, you know. Maybe that will kind of evolve out. Maybe it will grow stronger. Who knows? But it's it was natural and organic. So why not put it on there?
1: I feel yeah, like yeah. there's. I feel. I'm sorry, Dave. There, I feel like there's a swagger on this on this record. There's there's a there's a couple of songs. I'm sorry. I, 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 like Dave said. I just, I just, we've just heard the record yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's bluesy. There's blues. These bluesy licks that you're doing, and I, and it, I like it when I, I, I'm a little bit like, oh wow, that's interesting because I can't quite feel where the downbeat is when you play those uppity, kind of odd, starting on the upbeat somewhere, and then when the drums come in, I'm like, oh man, that's nasty. You know, and, and it, there's a swagger to it. And, and then when Ronnie comes in, it's like, there it is. That's it. So you're kind of gliding through some of those. some. I was gliding through some of those songs like, holy shit, this is like, like I said, slimy. This Some of it's slimy.
2: I would agree with that, um, yeah. and I think at the moment, you know, there's, there's three, it's a three piece basically with a with a vocalist, so there's that kind of dynamic as well. You can move stuff around and push and pull a little bit. You know, when we play together, um, as I said, there's there's a that push and pull, and slimy I think is a is a good term to sum up some of the riffs. You know, it's a bit um, I don't know what the word is, uh, not doomy, um, no, but some of those old. Uh, priest and Sabbath riffs that came from Birmingham. I mean, there's a bit of that in there. And it's yeah. definitely grimy for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. I also hear just good hard rock blues fusion via, you know, some of the late eighties, maybe like for a moment, I heard like some lynch mob or or something uh, for a second, but that was just me not stabbing in the dark, but like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. I get, you know, it was, not over analytical just kind of finding a groove in some of the songs and and some placement on you know what memory i have left so
2: well uh, hopefully he doesn't uh, you know get pissed off with me if i say this but i was never a huge lynch Mobile or fan I, I was a big yes. fan of george lynch uh, and i'll probably get a phone call now but uh, so if you're L- anything blabbermouth anything- here we come yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly no he he knows that and i I think he he respects the fact that you know you know indirectly that stuff probably went in you know um you know as a guitar player you can't help but be turned on by guitarists that were influenced by george and that kind of stuff so it's like jimmy page i was never a huge zeppelin fan but you know jimmy page went in indirectly you know through other guys and stuff but um yeah but it's great when people get their own i love that when you you have an idea of what you sound like and other people interpret it a different way. That's, that's the beauty of, of the art form, you know? Yeah. Well, you can't tell people what
1: to think and how to feel anyway.
0: Right. That's the beauty you, of music. It is right to interpretation. That's but right. I, I think if the point was to create a, a, a conglomeration again of your influences, you did a great job and made a cohesive whole and, and it's a great, solid record. Uh, lights out is kind of the cherry on top, I guess, if you will. Although the, the original songs are great as well. Uh, tell us about the the cover art. Is that a Claudio Bergman, uh piece on the cover? No, it's not. Um... He I've did some animated artwork or something, didn't he? Uh,
2: he's done a couple of posters for us. He done uh, the initial poster when we announced the record with Scott and Rex, and he's done another one since then. Um, but the, the cover art is actually—it's uh, I did it via AI. Uh, oh. Some of this AI stuff started coming out, and I, you know I knew what I wanted, but I—I I, I draw a little bit and I paint a little bit, but I couldn't. You know, I used it as an expression of what I saw in my head, you know, the horns for a halo thing. Um, I wanted it to be eye-catching and sum up that that title. Um, so that's what it was. It was AI. And then I took it from the AI and then added a few things of my own, excuse me, in Photoshop to make it less AI, you know, make it my own thing. Um,
0: <laughs> but, it, I mean, it,
2: I used the AI as a tool to sort of get those uh, ideas down onto the screen and then go from there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A man of many talents. I did not know that. Well, it's a great looking, uh, album cover. Um, Thanks very much, man.
2: I mean, it is a bit of a bone of contention at the moment on the, uh, the moral standing of AI. Um, but you know, I just saw it as a, as a tool to put my ideas
0: on the page, so to speak, and then adapt them from there. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Using, using your resources, as Jason likes to say. Yep. Um, use your resources. You mentioned, I, I can't let this go. You mentioned George Lynch and you, you have a daughter with George Lynch's daughter. Um, and I I remember how surprised were you at the backlash when, when priest made an announcement that they were going to go out as a four piece and everybody just freaked out because priest is the iconic dual guitar band Um, And then there was talk because of the George Lynch connection of him possibly being added to the lineup. Was there any substance to that? Was it ever a possibility?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think George was an obvious choice potentially from, you know, from the fans. Uh, And I understand why. I mean, George has got a pretty unorthodox guitar style. Um, like Glenn I mean it's not like Glenn's style but in the same way that Glenn's style is unorthodox and very unique George has his own unique style as well uh, so I can see how it came around and obviously the the family connection made it made it even more obvious to some people but um no I mean' it's, it's great that people were so passionate about priests in the sense that they didn't want a one guitar, you know, they, they voiced their opinions pretty loudly. So we couldn't help, but, uh, respond to that. And, uh, funny enough, a little while later, there was a three guitar version of Judas Priest, which everyone was fine with, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. so, um, uh, sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to be a two guitar band as long as it's a three guitar band. I think people were, they liked that, but um, we done the rock and roll hall of fame with Ken as well. Yeah. And, um, they let me be on stage with them. Um, and yeah, it was a it was a, a trip really to be part of the three guitar attack Judas Priest. Maybe for once uh, in in our lifetime, maybe it won't happen again. Maybe it will. But uh, so so yeah, the one guitar thing didn't work, but the three guitar thing
0: definitely did. So yeah. uh, that everybody's was everyone's okay with you adding a guitar. Just don't take one away. <laughs> more is more, you know. Yeah,
1: seemed to be sort of a litmus test for. For like, uh, let's see how the fans are feeling, and you like you put the thermometer in. It's like, oh shit,
2: one guitar, you know? Kind of, yeah, kind of I weird. mean, I mean, it's definitely it wasn't like this, but it, it just gives you an idea of if you wanted to stir up a hornet's nest and create a bit of publicity, you could do that, you know. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, we wouldn't abuse the fans' opinions like that. I mean, no, they, no, they that,
1: would... that's not what I meant. But it's kind of interesting how they reacted so quickly to
2: that. Well, um, we, again, we were lucky if, they, if no one cared. We, we would have had a problem right <laughs> right it's a good it's a good there you go.
1: problem to have that they're so passionate and weird about oh what well, what what are you guys doing you know that's yeah you know yeah. i had to i got to admit i showed up for the accept gig and i'm meeting like you know five people and i'm going like wait three guitars i didn't even realize that that uva and philip were both with wolf i was just like what and then i i, I was like what okay sure this is going to be interesting but i totally get it now dual harmonies going no rhythm guitar unless you got the third guy
2: yeah and no, that makes sense that work. makes
1: sense to me it's i i think of allman brothers i think of leonard skinner and i think of you know all these guys right. inviting their buddies on stage all the time
2: so I mightn't have been doing it since Brave New World. I think you know. Right. Yeah. Um, it it definitely doesn't not work. You know what I mean. You can you can. It's definitely a different avenue to go down. But I think there's too much water under the bridge with with the priest guys
0: and the you know the politics and stuff like that. It's a shame, but
2: uh, you know it is what
0: it is. Yeah. So how was the Rock Hall performance for you? I, I, I understand that's the first time you met KK. And uh, I mean, what an honor for you, especially. Uh, I mean, an honor for the band who's been at it since the early 70s. But I would imagine that was double the honor for you as a relative newcomer to be on that stage and to be recognized alongside with the band that you've been with now for almost 13 years. Uh, what was that like for you?
2: Well, as you said, it, it was an honor just to be up there, really. I mean, I, I offered to not be. It wasn't my accolade. You know, I haven't been around for 50 years uh, as an iconic um, musician like that. But they were adamant that they wanted me as part of the band on stage because that's Judas Priest today, right. you know. Um, obviously, I didn't get inducted, and that that makes complete sense. Um, but just being up there with Ken, I, I, it was great. You know, it, I was like a you know, a pig in shit or whatever you call it. You know what I mean? I was like a kid in a candy store, you know, again, to be part of that three guitar attack. Uh, I mean, he sounded great. He played great. And I thought we looked great as a, as a, as a team, you know, with the two flying bees together. That was, that was killer. I loved it. I loved every second of it. And looking around, it was Lionel Richie and, you know, Pat Benatar Neil Giraldo and Neil Geraldo and, Uh, Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart and the edge and Duran Duran looking around. I mean, I was a little bit against the rock hall and what it stands for initially, but when you get there, you can't really help but be a bit blown away by the legends in the room. So it was an
0: honor to be there really. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say one, one more priest question and then we'll end on an elegant weapons question. Uh, What's the best piece of advice Rob Halford ever gave you?
2: Um, Good question. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question, you know. And Glenn's a given all is. I like it. it. Yeah. Um, I'd have to think long and hard about that one. Um oh I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Um we were in the studio writing Firepower, and uh we had some differences of opinion. Um and uh, you know, I, I said my piece and Glenn said his piece, and I mean he's a he's a legend of rock guitar what the hell do I know? But I, I felt like I had an opinion. Um, so, you know, we had a few words into, you know, it wasn't arguing or anything like that, but we had some strong opinions about where we thought the song should go. And afterwards I, I said to Rob, you know, sorry, you got like that. And he said, no, you have to do that. Otherwise you resent the other person. Um, and you end up not doing anything. You've got to, if you think that that's, that opinion is right, you've got to put it out there. And, um, And he's right, you know, I think otherwise you can imagine if you do that a few times, you start resenting the people that you're creating with and that just stifles the creativity. So I'll always remember that. And Glenn was one of those guys as well that he will always say, you know, what is your idea? And if if he thinks it's a better idea, we'll go with that. So he's very open to new ideas, which again, he didn't have to be. So um, it it was an honor to be included in stuff like that
0: yeah they, they seem to have been very welcoming to you and i i applaud that and i think you've risen to the occasion and you fit right in you're a great addition to the band obviously a great player i know you had some big shoes to fill but i feel like you've carved out your own identity and uh and you're here to stay and and that's that's great um last question and we'll let you go elegant weapons we've talked about uh the possibility of touring any chance of getting to the united states because i know bands well you're in nashville so and so is christopher so is it possible that we might see you do a string of dates in the united states
2: i hope so i mean that's always been the goal when putting this together when it became apparent that it was a band i wanted it to be a band that tours and plays live and evolves and grows and writes and records records together you know i didn't want it to be a one album deal um you just put a record out and that's it. So we've got some dates coming up in Europe over the summer that are being added all the time. And then beyond that, we're looking at other possibilities. So I'd love to get into the States and uh, and bring it over here. So watch this space.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll look forward to that. Hopefully you can put something together and take this on the road because it's a great album. People need to buy it and listen to it and then hopefully go see it live as soon as possible. Uh Richie, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh I also wanted to say real quick that Firepower was a great record, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> thank wow. You, wow. Thanks, dude. What a yeah, great record. So
2: I appreciate that, man. It, it really connected with a lot of people. And, and again, you, you never know how an album's gonna be perceived until it comes out. Um and you just do your best that you can every time. And we've done the we did the same on Redeemer. We're doing the same on this one that we're recording now. You know, how can we make that one better and better is subjective, obviously, but you know, how can we make it a better performance or a better batch of songs or better playing or whatever it may be? How can we rise to the occasion again? And it's a tough one to beat firepower, but uh, we're, we're going to try and do it.
0: Do it, man. Do it. Because that was a good one. If that's the benchmark that you're trying to beat, I can't wait to hear the new one. <laughs> Thanks man. Appreciate it. All right, Richie. On behalf of my co-host Jason McMaster, I'm metal Dave Glesner, along with our very special guest today, Richie Faulkner of Judas Priest and Elegant Weapons. Check out the new album, "Horns for a Halo," out May 26th. Thanks, Richie. We appreciate you, man.
2: Thank you, guys. Have a good one, and I'll see you soon, hopefully. You Take too. Hope so. Yeah. Bye, guys.